Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by Vineyard Ontario Regional Leader, Wayne McQueen. I've come across just such a, a helpful understanding of Lent as we're coming into the season of Lent this week, as drawn from the practice of the early Christian church, the season of Lent was a time of recalling and remembering our baptism, which is a paradigm shift from my traditional understanding of Lent. So Peter, just in recalling your story, may we all recall our story as we entered into the waters of baptism, um, being clothed in Christ. So thank you for that. Uh, I want to really want to respect um, the need for us to create community space this morning. So I'm just going to share a little bit from my uh, what's been happening with me this week, and then I'm just going to pass it off to Nikki, um, just to, um, and then we'll we'll come back into we'll just see how the Lord leads us together, but. For, for a long time now, um, the Psalms have been important uh, for me in my morning prayers. And typically, typically I include this, uh, the Psalm that connects to the day of the year. Now, this is just, a, for me, just a practical way to be praying through the entire Psalms two or more, a little bit more than two times a year. And it's, so I say that because on Monday, um, as I was spending my time in the morning, I, I was praying through Psalm 52 being the day of the year. And, and I was, as I was praying through, I was just captivated by a particular image that appears towards the end of the Psalm. And since Monday, so much has happened in the world. And in the midst of all that's, that has been deeply impacting me through that, Psalm 52 has continued doing a deep and good work in my own, uh, in me. So just what, the, what particularly caught me was David, who is writing this psalm, was likening himself to an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I'll just read the, the couple of verses towards the end of Psalm 52. I am, I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. And I know the language here probably echoes a fair bit with what Chris and Brady and others have been sharing over the past few weeks, but it was, um, you know, the flourishing and where the nurturing was being drawn from out of God's unfailing, unending love and, and recalling all he has done. And as we recall what has been done on the cross and, and that it's, in the, it's not in the context of alone, but in the presence of your faithful people and in, in the community gathered and, and rooted in the steadfastness of God's character 
the unchanging character of God. And there was just something in all of that was touching me in different places. And, and what makes this image so powerful is how it's placed alongside with what was already, what was going on in David's world at that time. And, and you can detect that in the earlier parts of the psalm. I didn't read the whole psalm, but the, the word that's used there that makes the contrast is, but I am like that flourishing olive tree. And, and so I, I took some time this week just to step back or step into the story of the psalmist. Um, because for me to understand or attempt to understand what's going on in the heart of David is to step into the honesty and the emotional world of David as much as we're able to. And this one gives us clear references to where David was when he wrote this psalm. He was in the hill country. He was south of Jerusalem. He was fleeing from Saul, who was an enraged tyrant seeking to hunt him down and and by this time in the, in the story, he's south of, of Jerusalem, he's in the hill country, and with a, a number of people have been gathered with him. And, and who comes into that camp is, is a, a man, a young man, um, and it was his, by name, uh, Ahimelech, who is the son of Abiathar. Here's the story. Um, earlier in that flee from Saul, David and a few of his men at that time came to the city of priests, and they were hungry. And, and as you read the story from 1 Samuel 22, 21-22, you read the story of, of the, the priests sharing bread, the showbread, which was only for the priests to consume. But there's that story there, and so... From that town came this young man, and you can paint the picture yourself, but he comes basically with the announcement, they're all dead. My father's dead. The 84 other priests are dead. There's nothing left in the city. Every man, woman, child, infant, even the livestock has been slaughtered. And so, if much as you will, step into David's world. And just the honesty, you, if you read the Psalms, David is pretty honest with how he comes before the Lord and the honesty. And, and so I can, only, I can only attempt to imagine the shock and how he was appalled and horrified and you know, the, just all the swirl of emotions. And not only that, but he was carrying a regret because he recalled suddenly that when he was in that house of the priests, there was a servant of Saul there that witnessed it, who in turn went and told Saul, and can I say all hell broke loose? And so here's David in this great place of, of sorrow, but he's sitting in, in, when you look at this part of the world in south of Jerusalem, all you can see is groves of flourishing olive trees. And, and I can only imagine that in the point of where he was, there was an awakening in his heart as to the truth. This is who you are. And so then comes this simile, this, 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 this language of the, of, the, of the olive tree. And, and it, 
there's this awakening out of this despondency. And I'm drawing a quote from an early, early, early church father. And, um, and he's in, in one of his sermons, he said, great is the tyranny of despondency. And so it's just like, if you will, like a resurrection sense of the, of just an awakening of his heart, calling him back into the story. This is who you are. And of course, I mean, we can get, all the symbolism of the olive trees with peace and healing and reconciliation, the deepest shalom. And, and so as I was sitting with this all through the week and, um, and just noticing some significant contrasts captured in this psalm, and I'm just going to highlight a few of them and, and what's been, um, how this has been working in my life is that you know, David earlier in the psalm, of course, you know, his focus is on towards Dag, who was the servant, and, and Saul. And, and it's like, you love evil rather than good. And then he's, there's this contrast that here is the one who has not made God his stronghold, who has trusted in his great wealth, who has grew, grown strong by destroying others through oppression and and with that set up as a contrast, but I am an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love. And so just where, what that was revealing in, in the fault lines in my own heart, it was this week it's been exposed. And so where are my roots? Where am I drawing on? It's this, I'm thinking about these two primary modes of, of life, one rooted in fear, and in fear, um, in a place of fear, one lives in a world through the lens of scarcity. Um, I think Genesis um, 3, uh, it leads to separation. It becomes a, a way of life of self-protection and self-promotion, we see the insecurities of Saul just, you know, seizing power whatever way he can. And, you know, this all this about the accumulation of resources and wealth and power through destroying others. And in this mode, it becomes, it's all about remaining in control. And where we sense we're losing control, we're grasping for control and bringing about change through coercion and using power and force. And I'm thinking, oh, all those bad people out there. And then all of a sudden, where's the tyranny or the, the tyrant in my own heart that's showing up? And so that was, so I was thinking about that, but then think about this other mode of life illustrated through the flourishing olive tree. And here, instead of scarcity, we find abundance. Here we can think about Genesis 1, the creation story, where there's more than enough for me. I am more than enough. There is not, there's more than enough to share. There's an abundance. This is a place of generosity. And the change agent here is not coercion, but, but a life rooted in the way of Jesus, a life rooted in the life and the teachings of Jesus, a life rooted in the Sermon on the Mount, a life rooted in the impossibility apart from the Spirit of God. And so these, um, you know, and, and instead of separation, when we live out of that story, everything is connected. And so if you hurt, I hurt. Um, I need you. You need me. 
And so this is not a place of separation, but a place of strengthening by, in a sense of being to, with God and together with one another. So, you know, so it's, it's hard for me to, to give clarity to my experiences because I'm not a brilliant psalmist like, like David, but it's the, the contrast in my own life is that as everything was escalating this week, this psalm was doing its work in me where I was not losing my story. I was not disconnecting from the story that I'm a part of. And let me just finish with this. This is just, I won't go into the details of it, but this was a, um, my encounter with Christ this week, sitting with him, contemplating, just sitting with Jesus and, and my experience of hearing him ask, say two things to me. The first one is a question we're all familiar with and perhaps the most important, the greatest question in scripture, who do you say I am? And, and I like, it was, it was just like, um, it wasn't the audible voice, you know, but in your heart, it just rings. Who do you say I am? And, and so I responded, um, and I won't, I won't get into details, but, but as I respond to who he is, something, it was just, it was life-giving. But then came the second, the second thing the Lord said to me. He said, now ask me the same question. Lord, who do you say I am? And that broke the lies that I was believing. That began to release healing. So it's, um, I just want to share that with you this morning, just just how uh, the profound sense of timing um, occurred. And then without knowing what was going to unfold through uh, the week, it began to do its work. And I just, at the end of the week, the problems of the world haven't been solved, but I'm now, I'm in a place of, uh, today at this moment, I'm in a place of groundedness in Christ. Um, so Nikki, I just want to pass this over to you. Malcolm Geith entitled his poem, um, Quid Gloriaris, which means, why do you boast in Latin? Of all your loving God has done for you, of all his many mercies on your soul, surely the greatest was his planting you like a green olive tree, secure and whole, to grow within his holy house forever, be rooted once again in the rich soil of his deep love, and know that none can suffer, no power on earth can ever separate you from the steadfast love of Christ your Savior. So let the tyrants boast, their desperate endeavors to maintain their godless power will come to nothing soon, evaporate like morning mist before the sun. The hour is coming and has come. Their time is up, but you will flourish in God's house forever.